Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I'm with the lovely Lynn Smith. I think, Lynn, we've known each other, what, 15 years now? Yeah, I think certainly since 2006. Yeah, so probably a bit longer. Where did all those years go? So anyway, um, Lynn wanted me to be a guest on her podcast, which is called Hearts Entwined. Um, Lynn focuses very much on personal relationships. Um, I know that she's a, a great coach in that area as well. Um, and so you should definitely check out her podcast, Hearts Entwined. Now, initially when she reached out, she said, hey, Rob, could we uh, do, have a discussion on personal relationships? And I was like, that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> I generally tend to keep that stuff in the background. Um, I've probably not got that many um, friendships or relationships outside of business. Um, and I feel much more comfortable talking about business relationships because that is somewhere where I have got a lot of experience. So Lynn was kind enough to go, yeah, let's go down that road. So anyway, Lynn, I am all yours. Thanks for having me on your Hearts Entwined podcast. And let's, let's have a chance to see where it goes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. Uh, for me, this is going to be totally different for me too, you know, because normally it is around personal relationships. So my audience are now going to get a little bit of a, an insight around business relationships of which I'm sure you've got lots of wise words of wisdom to share. Uh, so initially, what I thought would kick us off nicely would be about, you know, your relationship with, with Mark Homer, who is your main business partner who you've been involved with. Um, you know, for, for all the years I've known you, but at the time when we first met, I know it was, um, you know, a case of you were still both in a job at that moment in time. So what sparked off, you know, the, the idea about actually forming a business partnership and that entrepreneurial journey? Okay, so um, what sparked the business partnership, I think, was a common interest um, with a similar vision in... Um, an area of passion or business model, but completely different skill set. Uh, and I think I chose my words in those four areas very carefully. You know, we both wanted to be in business for a long time and to grow something meaningful, which would be the vision part. We both loved property, which would be the business model part, but we probably didn't know it at the time, but both Mark and I have very different skill sets strengths and weaknesses it's almost like we're the polar opposite mm. and I think that's why it's endured over 15 years because had you know had we both had similar skill sets um, and niche in like we're both interested in property but different areas of property we're both yeah. interested in business but different areas of business and you know when two people do the same thing one isn't needed and I think the mistake a lot of people make is, oh, we've got a lot in common. I want to be in business with that person or in relate. I want to have a relationship with that person, whether it's employee, employer, dating, partnership, shareholder. It's the same thing. I think if we are too similar, we can have clashes. And what happens is we both want to do A and neither of us want to do B. So B doesn't get done and A gets fucked up because we're both trying to do it. Mm. Um, and, you know, had 
had Mark and I had been very similar in our interests, I don't think it would have worked. Right. So was it a bit of a trial and error thing to initially then to see whether it'd work? Yeah, I suppose it was a bit like dating. So I think a lot of people get into business and probably personal relationships and they're probably looking for too much too soon. You know, they're looking to, to marry on the first date. And, you know, <laughs> I run a very, I run a very big um, pr property co community called Progressive Property. And there's a lot of people, oh, I just want to find a joint venture partner. I just want, you, you know, raise loads of money. We need to get a firm agreement. Whereas what Mark and I did was went to some seminars, you know, where I, I met you, Lynn, um, and started just exploring um, going on viewings and making a few offers and just sort of ducking and diving a bit, really. We didn't really know what we were doing, but we were enjoying it. And then when it came to, oh, we can buy a house now. We've got a deal. It's quite cheap. What do we do? We just kind of did a deal on that first house. And Mark protected his cash. Mark put the cash in and I put energy, enthusiasm and passion in, which are valuable, by the way. People underestimate those resources. And um, Mark got a first charge. And we weren't talking about 20 or 50 or 100. I mean, I was probably thinking that way because I get a bit excited and I do tend to think that way. Whereas Mark's just like, well, let's just do what's in front of us now. Um, so we did one deal, then another deal, then another deal. And, and, you know, three or four, five, a half a dozen properties in. We're like, oh, maybe there's something here. And through that journey, we sat down at various points and went, what is this? Is this a thing? What does the partnership look like? I would say six months in, Mark sat me down because you might remember, Lynn, I was a coach back then and I was, yes. you know, I studied similar. Um, I studied the same um, coaching model as you did. And um, I had quite a few clients and Mark sat me down and was like, right, Rob, we're sort of six months in this property journey. We've got a few properties. We, we set, we're setting up progressive. I reckon you should focus just on that. And I was a bit miffed because I really liked doing all the personal development and coaching stuff. And I felt I could do both. And I looked at him and went, but yeah, you're always off with your school mates and your uni mates who are always trying to do these little businesses on the side. If you want me to stop coaching, then you've got to stop doing all that stuff. And we sort of looked at each other and went, well, that's fair. We shook hands and we agreed verbally that we would align our business interests. And anything that I wanted to do is fine, but he had to have a half share. And anything he wanted to do was fine. I had to have a half share because neither of us wanted to stop exploring other business models because we're entrepreneurs. And so we love that. But you don't want to always be looking over your shoulder going, oh, well, they're spending 30 hours a week on that business and they're not fulfilling their role in this business. So I guess we were deep enough in where we needed to make something more concrete, but we couldn't have made it concrete too early. Um, and had, But had we not made it more concrete, um, there would have been doubt and you don't, in a business relationship, you know, you want trust. Mm. And, you know, there's going to be things that happen that are going to challenge that trust. And you, you and them are going to make mistakes uh, because we're human beings. But, you know, that little deal we did, it made me trust him and it made him trust me. Right. So do you, do you, did you have any ch major challenges that have ever challenged that relationship or has it always been strong or, or, you know, have you always been able to work through those challenges quite easily if there has been any? Yeah. So has there been challenges in the relationship? Yes. Um, has it always been easy? No. You know, people say you've got to work at relationships, but then they don't work at them. Uh, and what I've found with Mark and I is when we've not paid each other enough attention or when we've not communicated enough and or when we've had too many conflicts or we've avoided too many conflicts, that's when a gap has grown between us. And I've also found that in my personal relationships as well. So I think that there are real similarities. Definitely. Um, 
So when Mark and I started our company, because you know, Lynn, we used to go on all of the um, seminars together and everyone knew us as Rob and Mark, you know, we're wearing our suits and our spiky hair. We looked about 15 years old um, and we really enjoyed that. And it was great fun. But, you know, we would go out together socially as well. And, and it was fun, but in the end, it was probably too close. So then we sort of started getting separate friendship circles and things, and that was healthy. But then we let allow, and then we de delineated roles and responsibilities, which was important. But then we got too far away. So then we'd say, right, well, why don't we have a, 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 you know, like we've got 95 staff and we could both be in the office and I could not see Mark for weeks. So then we said, well, why don't we, you know, at least have a weekly lunch and why don't we make sure we sort of catch up? Um, and then if we were like, when you spend a lot of time with someone, there's natural conflict that starts to bubble because things about them get under your skin and vice versa. That's just natural. Um, and so maybe there'd be sometimes too much conflict, but then because we didn't want to have too much conflict, we'd both bottle things and not communicate them. Mm. So I think knowing when to have a hard conversation or an honest conversation and knowing when to back out and go, do you know what, Mark might not, because Mark, with Mark, if he hasn't had sleep, you need to give him space. And he struggles with no sleep. And so my wisdom is in, okay, I, I, I just check if Mark slept well. If he hasn't, give him space. Um, and Mark will has his, have his same read on me. When Rob is X or Y, stay away from Rob. And I think communication is not just communicating. It's knowing when to communicate. Yes. Like if you communicate when you're emotionally triggered, that's probably the worst time. Mm. And that's what we all do, don't we? We, we yes. hold it well. Not all of us, but something we hold it in, we hold it in, we hold it in, and then we go, rah! And, and I don't think that's healthy. So I would try and, okay, mm, that triggered me. I'll try and catch him tomorrow morning or in, our, in, in the meeting that we're going to have, and I'll try and just raise it as a discussion. And both Mark and I have worked over the years with each other in that um, we're, we're much better at controlling our emotions with each other. Um, and I can sense in Mark's face when he's getting a bit triggered. So I'll try and back off from that. Uh, and what's the point in triggering someone or, or, mm. or you know, pushing that. Uh, and, and I think we've both learned that about each other. Excellent. So going outside of that main relationship, which I know, which is your core relationship that runs through your business, your relationship with Mark. Um, you, you know, when you talk about, uh, initially about other joint venture type partnerships that you either may be done with Mark or outside of your relationship with Mark. Are those different to that relationship or pretty similar? Um, both. So we have had many partnerships and by the way, most of those we still have and we've got very loyal partnerships in our company and some that have naturally moved on as well. I can tell you the one thing I see in partnerships, which kills partnerships. Uh, and have I ever been and done this? Of course I have, because I'm a flawed human being. Um, that is selfishness. And I see a lot of people getting into joint venture partnerships and they, they say, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And that is the wrong place to start. Um, and you know, if you hear someone looking to form a partnership with you, relationship, personal or business, and they're like, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, you're probably going to think, what am I going to get? So you need to equally give. So I would come from a place of what can you bring to the partnership? 
Because if you come from a place of what can you bring, people are like, oh, okay, so this person has value um, and, and therefore that interests me. Now, I think I've had a few epiphanies um, in recent times, like lockdown times. And I'd never really noticed this, but you know, I don't like to think I'm a selfish person, but I know I can be selfish because I know every human being has it in their nature to be selfish. Absolutely. So, and sometimes I beat myself up if I behaved in a selfish way, but I have to remember I'm not a selfish person. I'm just behaving in a selfish manner. Um, and sometimes selfishness is good, like with self-care, for example, or saying no to too many opportunities. But here's what I, re here's what I re really learned recently, is that um, when you're in your pain, that is when you are at your most selfish. So if you're struggling financially, if you're struggling emotionally, if you've got really low self-worth, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling hurt, if you're feeling not worthy, you know, if you're comparing yourselves to others and you're, you feel like you're losing and you're in pain, you are going to be selfish yes. because ultimately because you want to get rid of the pain and the pain is a very selfish feeling. So what I've learned is the best way to not be selfish is to not be dwelling in your own pain, to do what you can to get out of your own pain, get away from fear, get away from doomsday scenarioing, get, get away from scarce, scarcity mentality. Uh, and then when you're out of pain, you're like, oh, I can see more clearly and you can focus on service and value and what you can do instead of uh, what you need because selfishness is what I need and selflessness is what I give. Now, we all know this intellectually, but emotionally, it's not so easy. But you know you, you will gain more when you give more. Um, and a few months ago, just before the lockdown, we had a major disruption to our biggest property project. Uh, and we had two or three things in sort of a six month window. This is a 20 odd million pound project. And by the way, 20 odd million in Peterborough is 200 odd million in London. So this is a big project for us, 100 unit, you know, big conversion. Um, you know, if that goes wrong, that's going to hurt. We wouldn't go bust, but it would hurt. Um, and a few things went wrong back to back to back. And, um, you know, Mark struggled a bit with that and lost a bit of sleep over that. And, and, and it started beating himself up. And, and sat me down and said, look, Rob, you know, like, I really feel like I've let you down. And um, I said, mate, don't be stupid. You're amazing. You know, these, these things happen and you couldn't help this A and this B and this C. And you know, I'm always here to support you. And he was like, Rob, I can't believe it. I think a lot of other people would have got really angry or wanted to leave this partnership. I'm really grateful. And then a few weeks ago, I had to tell him something, a, a mistake I'd made that affected him. And actually, you know, he had every right to be angry with me. Um, and maybe he was angry inside, but he just listened and he said, all right, Rob, thanks for letting me know. Um, what do we need to do to fix it? And, and I felt really cared for and um, yeah, supported. So in the last three months, we've both had one opportunity with something very disruptive to really support each other. And, you know, I want, I, I, we all need support, don't we? Yes. I think the best, way, the best way to get support is to give it. And had I not been as supportive when he needed me, maybe he wouldn't have been as supportive when I needed him. But I can tell you this, you know, when things are hard, it's better being in the trenches with other people who've got your back. And you know, when things are good, it's better to celebrate it with someone else, you know? And, and that's what I've got with Mark and my trainers and my partners. The thing with, though with Mark, so go back to your question, um, Lynn, you said, you know, what I've got with Mark, have I got that with other trainers? Well, what I haven't got with my other partners is 15 years of that 
what we've been through together and how we've supported each other and the highs and the lows and the ebbs and the flows. And um, so over time creates strength and going through hardship creates resilience as a partnership. But I have got partners I've had for three years, five years, 10 years. There's a lot of loyalty from us to our partners. I've stood behind them when it's been hard and they've done the same to us. But I, I really do think um, you get what you give. And, um, and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I like what you said about being, you know, having the strength um, to be vulnerable sometimes, you know, put your hands up when you've made a mistake. Yeah, and you know what? That's hard. And I know that I have avoided hard conversations. And I know when I've um, had the courage to address them and have them and face them. And by the way, sometimes hard conversations for me aren't really hard things in life. I just find the conversation hard. But then other times it's like hard. Like in the last month, I've had three of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have in my life. And, I was like, <gasps> and yeah. I'm really proud of myself that I did that. Um, but yeah, facing up to your demons and facing up to hard conversations and honesty. Um, so sometimes it's really hard to give feedback to someone who you know would take it badly. Mm. Um, so you can avoid that, can't you? But the, the gift is the feedback and your mastery is in delivering that feedback in a kind way that doesn't make them feel um, unvalued um, or actually just breathing in and saying, you know what, I've got to have this hard conversation. Firing someone, making someone redundant, giving someone feedback who you know is going to react badly, um, a mistake that you made, owning it rather than hiding it. You know, all those things are hard conversations, but um, courage and bravery and growth are in those conversations. And you know, the longer you delay them, mm. the worse it gets. Yeah, definitely. And usually you, you can feel quite liberated once you've had that conversation, can't you? And think, well, why did I delay it and build it up to be this great big fear when really, you know, once you've had the courage to sort of either be vulnerable or, or face that difficult conversation, it can be quite empowering once you've done it. I, I would even say liberating, Lynn. I think you're spot on. Um, so these conversations, these three conversations, which I found most challenging for me, I had spent on one of them a week, just my brain going into doomsday mode, imagining every worst case scenario you ever could. Um, and that conversation was not how any of them played out. And, you know, when you start to build something up to be so big, then often you can talk yourself out of it. So I think you, when you know you've got to make the decision and do the thing, breathe it in, pick up the phone, breathe it in, have the meeting, breathe it in, just have it. Um, I was taught by um, actually my MD, who's really experienced in managing people and she's, she's a really strong leader. Um, and, you know, I'd heard this before, but um, from her, it was more impactful for me. But she said, you know, if you've got to go and have a hard conversation with a member of your staff, maybe you've got to let them go or whatever. You sit in and you go, I've got some news for you. I need to know that uh, I've got to let you go. I'm sorry about that. It has to be done. Here's what we need to do. And you don't dance around it or do any small talk, you know, or lead into it. You just say, bang, and you just have the conversation because it will get worse. You will get scared and you will talk yourself out of it. Mm, yeah. So, but you're right, it is liberating. It's liberating because you put yourself in a prison in your mind of how bad it will be. Um, because it's scary. Fear, fear is, a, fear is a trap of your mind. Definitely, yeah. You know, 
yeah so you talked you spoke about your um was it your md you say there which is a female md i was going to yeah. ask you about that as well you know do you find it different um managing or working with women oh blimey <laughs> you're going to throw me under the bus here don't get rob <laughs> talking about the sex debate you know i'll mess up here no go on go on lynn say it <laughs> well i'm just wondering you know um because for me what 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 i try and educate people around is men and women are different you know we're not meant to be the same you know at the end of the day i do believe in equality of course i do and equal opportunities but you know equality is about equal opportunities it isn't about you know women trying to be men or vice versa you know there's a reason yeah. there's two different sexes and we each have our own strengths you know because of that um because if yeah. we weren't meant to be different to men um then you know we would only be asexual beings that be reproducing ourselves so yeah. there is meant to be that diversity and i yeah. just wondered you know how you you manage those relationships differently or not as the case may be within a okay. business context so lynn i'm so glad you said that um you know men and women are different and you believe in equality and equal opportunities, because now if I say something wrong, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm only joking. But I believe, I believe in equal opportunity, but that equality isn't the same thing, I don't think. Uh, and, I, and definitely women have not had equal opportunities in many areas of life. Mm. Um, but it is also true that men and women are more suited to certain jobs or tasks that you, you know and you can't avoid that I, agree. So I, I don't think we should um make out that you know we're not different because we are and that's okay and we shouldn't fear getting into trouble for saying that now i'm going to make some positive i'm going to make some positive stereotypes from my own experience or some reverse stereotypes um so Leading and managing, is it different from men to women? Yes. And by the way, we have to include people who don't define their own sexuality because yes. that is an important demographic as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I have definitely found that it, it, it is wise for me if I want a productive and empowered staff member to manage them as an individual. So actually, I'm not managing them as a man or a woman. I'm managing them as an individual. Because you all know this, Lynn. Lynn, you can have women with very male energies and, and, and you can have men with very female energies. There's, been, there's actually science on this. Um, and I know you believe that to be true. So what I would rather do, and I'm not circumventing the question, I'm being honest, is I'd rather try and get to know the individual. What are their values? What's most important to them in their life? You know, what do they want from their career? What's their career vision? and then manage them or lead them or support them. Because actually often leadership and management is actually a support role and, and we forget that. What I think is the greatest barrier to empowered management is twofold, it's hierarchy and ego. So hierarchy is, you know, I'm an authority, I'm an employer and you're an employee. Um, and, and ego is, you know, the, I'm the employer, you know, I pay you, your job is to do X, Y, you know, you can't give me feedback because I'm the bottom, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, hierarchy and ego, um, even though people will s submit to those, they'll only do that because you're paying them. And if you didn't pay them, they would 
they would they would see that as a trap and they would leave. Yes. So if, if, if you can manage people and lead people without hierarchy and ego, I think you are a modern, empowered, great leader. Um, so I'll just explain that. In, in Adlerian psychology, um, it was, I think his name is Alfred Adler, one of the great threes um, with Freud and one other, but he's often not referenced. Um, you should do your research on him, um, Alfred Adler. He talks about the difference between vertical and horizontal relationships. So vertical is hierarchy. I am better than you. I am your boss. You know, I am an authority figure. And, um, you know, uh, uh, there's subordination and pedestalization. And that psychology doesn't recognize that. That psychology recognizes horizontal relationships, which are you are a human being and I'm a human being and we just have different roles and purposes and functions. And I think if you have a horizontal relationship psychology, I think you are going to achieve greatness in your life with relationships, with your company, with your net worth, with your social media following. And the ego gets in the way of that. And I have an ego because we all have one and I'm often fighting it. Because sometimes if I'll often, for example, email my staff and they won't reply and I'll get a reply in two weeks and the ego goes, I'm your boss, I'm paying you and you haven't replied to me for two weeks. Are you a fool? And I want to go reply to me, but that's my ego. But, but you know, if, if, I, if I play that card, I can only play that once. Yeah. So if I get my ego out the way and I look at them as a, as a horizontal relationship, they're a person, I'm a person, maybe they're busy. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they're overwhelmed. Maybe they don't manage email very well. Maybe I should be communicating by phone. Maybe I should be WhatsApping them. So get your ego out the way. See people, you know, it, like the, v, the, the PA doesn't serve the MD, the MD and the PA equally serve each other. The employer doesn't serve, sorry, the employee doesn't serve the employer. We equally serve each other. You know, you might be interviewing me, Lynn, but we're serving each other and serving our audiences. Yes. Um, so those two things make me a better leader or manager and getting the ego out of the way. But, you know, the ego does manifest in mysterious ways, especially when you're emotionally triggered. Um, so... I try to avoid male, female, or male energy or female energy. And I just try and look at horizontal relationships without ego, where all humans are equal. Because I can't do my job without my, all my team. Um, and I try and respect the janitor, the cleaner, and the admin assistant as much as I try and respect my billionaire friends and podcast guests. Now, what I will say, though, just so you don't think I've completely politicized my answer here and not gone into the man versus woman debate. In my experience, women are more loyal employees. They stay with you longer. Now my MD has got a theory on this. I just think because women are naturally more loyal, but my MD, she thinks women are naturally um, less akin to taking risks because they want to look after their family and need security. That's her yeah. theory. And yeah. she might be right. And I might be right. And it might be individual. Because, um, you know, like if we've got a career woman with a male energy, that's going to be different. Also, so women tend to stay with us longer. Women tend to be more loyal. None, no one who's set up in competition against us has been um, a, a woman. Uh, and no one who's really sort of turned us over has ever really been, well, one woman, but she had a very male energy. Um, so that's my experience. 
Uh, now we've had men who work with us who, you know, throw testosterone all over the place and work really hard for two years. And then we fall out because there's a clash. Um, so that's just, that's just my um, observation over the last 15 years. Excellent. Well, I, I think I'm very aligned with what you've said there, Rob, because, you know, when I'm teaching about and, and sharing about relationships, you know, it is about educating people that, you know, men aren't hairy women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why, why try to change him into being a male version of you? Because <laughs> yeah. then you're not going to find him as attractive anymore because, you know, you've, you've emasculated him. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And just on this, Lynn, I, this is hard, but I think there's wisdom in this. In partnerships, naturally, I believe most people are trying to change everyone to be more like themselves. Mm. And, you know, why? Because we like common interest, because we want people to, you know, we get importance out of being right or seeing things our way. But um, my, my partnership with my business partner, Mark Homer, really flourished when I looked at him for who he is, not for who I wanted him to be. Yes. And for example, in the early, in the first year, I worked like 14 hours a day. He did not work as hard as me. Um, or as long as me, actually, because there's a difference. Um, and I got frustrated, and he would turn up late, and, or late by my definition, and he would go earlier. And in the end, I had a bit of a dig at him, and I'm like, mate, you, you know, you're, like, you're not working as much. Um, and, you know, one thing he said to me was, well, yeah, I'm not really enjoying it that much at the, at the minute. You know, you're not that much fun to be around. So, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, although I got upset at the time. But what I realized was, you know, Mark had years of experience and millions of pounds in his pocket that's value. My hustle is value. His value is different. So if we're trying to change people to be like us or show the value we show, like you said, you, you know, a, a man doesn't want a hairy version of themselves. <laughs> you know, so um, in partnerships, in relationships, learning to love and appreciate someone for who they are, they instantly change. Yes. But it's your perception of them that changed. And, you know, it's only ego, I think, that wants people to be more like ourselves. There's a great book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I think anyone who's running a company should read it. And um, I had a one-to-one -one mentoring session yesterday. I was coaching someone and he said, oh, Rob, you know, I'm, I'm, I only hire people now on attitude because skills can be taught and attitude can't. And I challenged him and I said, if you only hire on attitude, then you're going to have a load of people in the company with the same attitude. <laughs> and I said to him, is that what you really want? Would you want a football team with 11 goalkeepers? And what often what we do when we hire people is we hire mini versions of ourselves. Mm. Well, um, so I said to him, you know, do you want a, a coder who's really good at talking to people and you know, where's your t-shirt with pride and you know, really, really represents the brand values? Or do you want a coder who's shit hot at coding? I will take an obnoxious, rude coder who's the best coder I've ever seen over an average coder who's got good brand values. And I'll lock him in a room and I'll give him all the um, Red Bull he needs or she <laughs> <laughs> and they can code and just stay away from people. And I've been very loyal to staff members of mine who are bloody good at their job, 
but not the team player people perceive. But I've also had really good team players who are great at playing in a team, but they're not very good at doing their job. So be careful not to try and align around yourself and your company and your partnerships and your relationships mirrors of yourself because that is actually not what is right for you, in my opinion, or your company. Absolutely, 100% support what you've just said, Rob. And, and especially, you know, in terms of it being true for personal relationships as well, because, you know, women are especially guilty of thinking, you know, if a guy's got a few defaults that they don't like, that they think, you know, what, are changing to be more like me. And then when they do change to be more like themselves, they don't, they're not attracted to that. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. And um, you know, I, I know you've studied Dr. John Martini, and he's one of my, um, you know, great teachers. Um, and he would say you need challenge and support in equal measure. And so in business partnerships and relationships and staff, you know, employer, employer, employee relationships, having people 100% subordinate to you um, and not challenge you, there's no growth in that. No, uh, and, and I'm sure in relationships, when you've got a, a submissive person, I'm sure that is a recipe for a very bad relationship. And the things that we're challenged on, we can be really frustrated on the, but my business partner challenges me no end. I'll, I nearly went into personal relationships there. And I don't want to do that. I'll let you do that. <laughs> but you know, my business partner, he loves clarity. So he'll sit you down and go, Rob, are you listening? Step one. Step two, step three. Let me just summarize for you. Did you hear me correctly? Step one, step two, step three. And you'll talk to me about that, about my expenses or insurance. And he, he like, I, it, 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 it sounds so patronizing to me. I, I feel like I was being taught bollocked by my headmaster. And I, like, it, 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 it picks a scab. But in Mark's world, he's just being clear. So, because clarity is important. So, um, I, with Mark, I, I don't want to change him. No, I want Mark to be more Mark. Yes. And Mark wants me to be more me. And I think relationships flourish when, you know, you champion them being more them and you don't yes. try and change them and vice versa. But man, all these micro behaviors of trying to change people to the way we want them to be, or to, we don't even know, but trying to control them. Absolutely. I mean, that is, yeah. And, and to, to, by the way, you need trust. And you need to let go of fear, uh, you know, fears of abandonment, fears of being screwed over, trust issues, fears of lost, fears of being alone. By the way, you don't just have them in personal relationships, you have them in business partnerships. And to truly, I think, flourish in a partnership, you have to let those go. Because what I found is when people hold on too strong a fear, abandonment, trust, Loneliness is that they hold on to the fear so much, they actually manifest the very thing they fear and they push people away every time, in my experience. In my experience too. And I also think we need to be mindful of our expectations within that, you know, because the, the weight of somebody's expectations can massively push them away from you. And, um, yeah. you know, you can, you can, it can trigger, you can, you can trigger yourself by having an expectation as to, you know, how, I expect you to respond to me. And if it's not exactly how I figured it out in my head, I could be reactive to that rather than, you know, respond in a, in a way that's going to keep that intimacy and connection together. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And, um, that letting go of control yes, and letting go of control is having faith 
not fear. And, you know, that is one of our greatest challenges. Um, and going back to the partnership with Mark, I do really want to be a great partner to him. I want him to be proud of me. I want him to think that he's got the best partner in the world. I want to deliver more for him than he delivers for me. And I know he feels exactly the same. So don't get me wrong. We have our ups and downs. And sometimes when we're triggered or whatever, that, that gets forgotten. But, you know, I, I've managed the training and um, the brand version of our business empire. And he manages the property portfolio business of our empire. And, you know, he's like, oh, Rob, did you notice you got seven and a half grand passive income this month from our letting agency? Did you notice I paid, you know, you got paid 17,500 from our property portfolio? I was like, thanks, Mark. Did you notice we did a quarter of a million net profit in the training business this month? And, and that is like, that's where you want to be. You want to be, look what I'm bringing, not look what you've got to give me. And I have got some partners or I know some people in partnerships. They're like, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. Why aren't you doing this? I want you to do this. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And that's not, you know, endeavor to be a great partner and to give in partnerships. Um, yes. And like I said, we will be selfish when we're focusing on our pain. Yeah. And we ought to stop shooting on other people and shooting on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you know what? No one should do anything everyone will do what they do. Yeah. So exactly. When you say you should do this, that means I'm trying to control you being someone other than who you are. You will only ever be you. And I think this is a great education, no matter what relationship you're involved in, whether it's personal or business is to have the focus of being your best self and in doing that and being your best self, you'll automatically have an impact on the people around you and inspire them to be their best selves. And don't 100%. expect people to be anything other than the best version of themselves. And if they're not quite being that at the, at the moment, then, you know, it might be a mirror towards yourself that you need to look at something within yourself that you might need to change to inspire that from them that you might need to work on and, and you know, yeah. just food for thought. Definitely, I agree, Lynn. In, in my relationships, when I've become self-centered around what I'm not getting, that's ultimately not helped, even if I had some valid points. Um, but when I focused on what I can give and how I can add value, even if my ego feels it's not fair or I don't need to, mm. it is always rewarded. One thing I will say, and this is wisdom as well, is you've also got to know when the person is just wrong. Uh, and there's a, a, a major misalignment of values. Um, and that can be hard because you can, again, feel in a, a, a prison of fear or loss or loneliness or some kind of breakage. Because, by the way, of course, there's relationship and marital breakage. But I have broken in partnerships which have been very entwined because we've got money paid and clients that need delivery and reputational issues. But again, that fear is a prison. Yes. It's knowing naturally when a relationship has run its course, like you say, whether it's in personal or business and just being again prepared to let it go, regardless of what the implications could be. Yeah. Which is, I, I find that hard um, because I'm soft and because I'm a romantic <laughs> and I don't like conflict. Uh, like I would say let this less than half a dozen people that are alive in the world 
that I've had major conflict with that I haven't gone back to at some point and made it right. Mm. And bearing in mind, I'm 41 years old and I've grown a, you know, a hundred million plus business empire. Um, that's not easy to do because even when there's challenge, I like to go back when there's water under the bridge and just Zen it and, you know, have the man hug or just have that little conversation of gratitude and that, Hey, you know, we were both a bit in a different space, but thank you. Um, I can't remember what, I don't know if it was in the four agreements or if it was somewhere else I learned this, but you know, those three um, statements, thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. I think yes. they're really powerful. And I, I've said that to a couple of people um, recently um, and I've found it very liberating so, yeah, um, I don't really know why I said that, but <laughs> no. I, I don't like bad energy out there. No. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to have a breakup, business, partnership, personal, friendship, and it's messy. And there's anger. And, th you know, you feel wronged. You really feel wronged. Um, and maybe they do too. And, you, yeah, like you said, the, the courage or the strength to, to let that go. But I also think it's nice when you reach out later when the mm -hmm. time is right and just reconnect i don't know maybe i'm naive about that you definitely don't want to do that too soon but no. um a lot of people have got a lot of bad blood out there because there's so much conflict and there's there's having scraps and fights all the time i just don't want to be that person i accept the fact that there's a handful of people that you know are always going to hate me um <laughs> i don't want that many of them though just you know just <laughs> i believe in karma you know and what you put out there you know if you're always aspiring at least to give out good energy all the time that will come back to you obviously being human we're not always going to be in great space but if you always strive to always do your best and be your best and like you say you know mend those broken bridges even if you never see them again you know you just have that one conversation look you know i realize this didn't go particularly well but you know um, yeah i'm extending that hand of, of gratitude even though at the time you know we caused each other angst i think that's yeah. great to have that mm. sort of attitude because it, it gives you your power back then it stops them having that negative energy and that negative power over you going forward doesn't it yeah and um that angst that you hold that is your prison not theirs mm. so um forgiving people forgiving yourself letting go moving on which you know a lot of people find really hard to do you, you know that 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 anger that um resentment that bitterness that feeling wronged that the victim mentality and feeling that's not a prison on that person that's a prison on you so you liberate yourself when you let go of that um and i read something really fascinating i'm studying a chap at the moment called dandapani um because i, I like i i've opened a spiritual journey for myself over the last 15 years um regularly but then not pursued it just because I find ultimately I think being spiritual or meditating or whatever is ultimately just about a concentration of your awareness. And I've, I've got addicted to business. I love business entrepreneurship. I'm a, I have, I'm definitely a, a businessaholic. I wouldn't say workaholic, but a businessaholic and that an obsession, I'm an obsessive guy and an, an obsession um, can be a weakness as well as a strength. Um, and that has in, given me addictions to social media because, you know, WhatsApp and Facebook are highly addictive. Um, and that has caused some 
challenge and pain in my life. So I've started to reopen this more spiritual journey again and trying to get myself a proper mentor again. And so I've been studying some of Dandapani's work. And he said, um, always love over anger. Um, and I, I've always known that, I think, but sometimes the anger feels good. <laughs> <laughs> or, or sometimes you're not ready yet to love that twat, <laughs> you know, you're angry and, and it doesn't help loving them. No, they're a bastard. Um, but but I, I'd never heard it said like this, Lynn, but I want to speak this. And this is, you know, Dandapani, so um, D-A-N-D-A-P-A-N-I. And he said, the reason why anger never works over love is because his guru taught him that what you focus on in your mind, energy flows to and you... Um, that manifests and you become aware. So the more you focus on anger, the more energy flows naturally in your brain towards anger. So, you know, there's these athletes that are taught to have anger against their you know, adversary. But the problem is you're training your mind anger. So you manifest more anger. Yes. And I'd never, I'd never really thought like that, but it's not easy to put focus on anger and turn it on, then turn it off, then turn it on, then turn it off. What happens is the more anger you focus on, the more angry you become and your natural triggers are anger because that's where you've put all your energy and that's what you manifest. Where focus goes, energy flows and results show. So the more you focus on love, gratitude, appreciation, and the more energy you flow there, and really the energy flow is just the awareness, the more you train your brain to be more in that place. Um, and that really resonated with me because I've not really heard it said like that before. Um, but I've got a bit of an epiphany there. Um, yeah. So what, what I've been working on is not, is, is concentration and awareness. So I, I've been going on these really long walks uh, and, you know, being in nature obviously has something biological that it does to us. That's really kicks off the endorphins. Obviously the exercise kicks off the endorphins. And I've been working on trying to maintain a really good emotion for a long time. Um, and really all a good emotion is, is awareness on gratitude or awareness on joy or concentration on a good feeling. And all anger is, is awareness on anger or awareness or concentration on the source of the anger. Now, look, I might be teaching some people to suck eggs here, forgive me, because I just think when you find something you already know, but someone says it in a different way and you get that epiphany. Yeah. And, and that the, I'd not really thought of it like that before. Not, if you think about it, all emotion is simply awareness. Because someone can, be, someone can be talking badly of you and you don't hear it and you're not aware of it, therefore, it doesn't trigger you. As soon as it comes into your awareness and they say it and you hear it, it triggers you. But you can choose to hear it but not notice it and be aware of it, the fact that it's feedback or their own pain and you can choose to be grateful so you're aware of gratitude, not of pain. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where... Um, that's where my current work is. I'm always on some journey, Lynn, of personal development or improvement or, you, you know, higher level of um, being, if you like, because I think that is the human pursuit, growth. It's my own evolution. <laughs> Love it. Me too. I'm on that same personal development journey. And my sort of words of wisdom around that is you, you always have a choice between love and fear. 
you know, and anger and all those negative emotions, if you really analyze it, do, do come from, you know, that, the, the place of fear and lack and, and all those negative emotions you were talking about. Cool. <laughs> anyway, Rob, I'm going to have to unfortunately cut it almost and, and try and wrap it up there because I've got battery low flashing up on my, my, my recorder. So as much as I'm really thoroughly enjoying it, this conversation, rather than actually get cut off, I'm going to have to say, let, let's have to wrap it up. No worries. So your podcast, Anna, uh, Lynn, so I'm going to do a shout out now. Uh, and that is Hearts Entwined by Lynn Smith. And it's one N, L-Y-N Smith. Uh, yes. And the um, podcast is called Hearts Entwined. Um, so if you thought this conversation was of value and use to you, definitely uh, subscribe. And, and Lynn focuses a lot on the personal relationships as well. I just felt more comfortable talking about business. And then my, you can follow me. My name is Rob Moore. M-O-O-R-E and my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, I, I, I'm always, I'm always on to something new and exciting. So whenever you follow me, you always get new, refreshing. I never do two talks that are the same. So um, if you like a bit of variety on your journey, I'm the guy to listen to. <laughs> Massively. So would you say that your best contact information is then through The Disruptive Entrepreneur on Facebook then, Rob? Um, I would probably say any social media channel that you prefer to listen to, because I'm on them all um, and you can private message me. Um, and if, but if you want to get a load of my content, either my Facebook page, Rob Moore Progressive, or my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure Rob's contact information, as well as his bio, as always, is in our show notes so that my audience and his audience uh, can also access all the information there. So thank you so much, Rob. That's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed that conversation today. My pleasure. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> and on that note, I'm just going to wrap up by saying healthy relationships start by opening our heart. So on that note, until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined. Or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.